Hey there, welcome to this excellent church. We believe the word of God is the charter of our lives and God's way to reshape values and reconcile men to himself. We hope this message brings edification, exhortation and comfort. Be blessed. Anyways, we are continuing, John. Last time we spoke about um, the story of the Samaritan woman and we ended it where um, the many Samaritans believed um, a testimony, and then they came to Jesus, and then they no longer believed. So that's what we're going to be reading from this evening till the end of chapter four. And Book of John has how many chapters does it even have? Like twenty something. Let me check. I'll check it later. But it's okay. Like I said, it's not as if the Bible is going to delete tomorrow. So there's no hurry, and we're eating good. Um, so I'm going to. I'm going to skip um, the preamble that I've always given about Apostle John, the beloved, and who, I, who is also someone that I love so much. Thank God for the apostles. And in case you need all that preamble, go back. So anyway, let's go back in time. Now I said we're always going to travel back in time into the context and understand so we truly learn and we know what was being said. So we're going to be reading from verse 39 because there's something I want us to catch from there. So, 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what she said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Hallelujah. What a testimony. 43, after the, two days he left, after the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. That was talking about um, Cana. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea. He went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. And then Jesus made a statement. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one, of the, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, your son will live. So he and his household believed. I thought he believed before. But, so he and his household believed. Okay. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. So very straightforward and direct story. There's no need to re-explain it, right? Everybody gets the story. It's a very straightforward story. Jesus was done in uh, Samaria. Then he was going to Galilee, right? And then... He arrived, they welcomed him. But they, John made a statement, because remember, we're reading this as John is t- 
teaching us and preaching to us. And he made a statement that Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet was, has no honor in his own country. And then there are other translations that, there are other books, sorry, there are other gospels that talk about it and all of that. And then when he arrived, um, he visited the same Kenya that he went from and then went back, right? And then one man, one certain man, who they just describe as a royal official, um, heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, and then he went to beg him. Now, this is where I'm going to. Jesus made a statement. He said, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. And my question that I'm attempting to answer today is, what kind of belief system is this? So we're going to be going through a couple of scriptures, and then hopefully we should have time to discuss it. But we'll be going through a couple of, um, um, of scriptures, and the question we're trying to answer is, what kind of belief system is this? This statement that Jesus made, right, what was he trying to say? And so we're going to go through three different buckets of, two mainly buckets of scriptures, and then we'll see the pattern in which we want to go. So let's start. John 14, verse 11, trying to understand what Jesus said. Now, unless you, you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Do we always need to see signs and wonders, or was that a form of rebuke from Jesus to say, must you always see signs and wonders? So let's go through scripture. So John, 11, John 14, verse 11. And please, I need all of us to really follow and pay attention. You know what? Let me share it. Please get me a mic. Get ready to read. Get ready. So we're going to be reading John 14, 11. How do I pick my volunteers? I'll start with glory. So as I'm calling it, I'll just hold it. Glory, Dami, Tolu. No, don't give me the mic. Give it to them. So glory, Dami, Tolu, Bemiga, uh, Chike, Mose. Let me see. Do I have that many? So John 14, 11. John 10, 34. Acts 4, verse 20. Acts 2, verse 43, sorry. Um, Bemiga, Acts 14, verse 3. And Chike, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 12, right? Um, so Moses, just hold on. The next batch of scriptures, you read it. Are we set? Okay, so yeah, go ahead. John 14, 11. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Please continue reading. Next verse. True. No, um, Glory, continue reading. Very truly I tell you. Verse truly, 12. truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Okay. Verse 13. No, that's all. That's, it's okay there. Dami. John 4, 34. Uh, John 10. John 10, 34, yeah. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I have said. Yeah, continue reading, please. If he called them God, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be set aside, 
What about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Thank you. Um, Act 2. 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All right. Acts 14.3. Um, Acts 14.3. So they remained for, long, for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. All right. Um, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 12. The signs of a true apostle. No, so can you start from 11, please? From 11. I have, been, I have become foolish. You yourselves compelled me. <laughs> Actually, I should have... <laughs> okay, let me start again. I have <laughs> Verse 11. Yeah. I have become foolish. You yourself compelled me. Actually, I should have been commended by you. For in no respect was I inferior to the eminent apostles even though I'm a nobody. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. What, what, verse, what, um, what Bible um, version is that? <laughs> okay. It should be the New American Standard Bible. Okay. should be. It shocked me a little. All right. So we've seen different places right from the book of John, then we went Signs and wonders, right? So let's, I want to read this one myself. Let's go to John 5 from verse 31. So I'm going to be reading from verse 13. From, let, let me just read from verse 31. And this, this was Jesus talking about himself. He said, if I, testify, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another one who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have, sent, you have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamb that born and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You, ha you have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. And it goes on and on and on and on. Let me see. Yes, so I think I want to stop there. So Jesus said to this guy that unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And it got me thinking that is that a criteria for belief? Must I see signs and wonders? And all the other places we saw, we saw Jesus saying things like that to the Jews, that even if you don't believe me for my testimony, believe me for the works that I do. And even the apostles also saying that, okay, we did this many works, we did signs, we did wonders, we showed you this many things. So the question got me thinking that, what is it about signs and wonders, right? And if it was relevant for them in that day and time, Shouldn't it be relevant for us today and time? Should we demand that our own apostle, 
also shows us signs and wonders. And choose not to believe unless he shows us signs and wonders. Right? Stay with me. Now let's go to another set of scriptures. And this one, we're going to start from the Old Testament. Um, so who did I start, stop with? Um, Moses, you take one. Um, Jed, you take another one. And we'll go back. Moriah, why you take one? Let me see how many I have. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, one, two, three. So, for Moriah, just be passing it from. Pass it to OJ, OJ pass it to Jide, Jide pass it to Ibuku, Ibuku pass it to Elder Mrs. Elder Mrs. pass it to Elder Mr. <laughs> <laughs> then pass it to Gracious. I think by then we should have exhausted the scriptures. Um, so first one, Numbers 35 verse 30. Um, Jed, you're going to take Deuteronomy 17 verse 6. Murewa, John 8, verse 17. Jide, um, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Ibukun, 1 Timothy 5, verse 19. Um, Sister Ochechi, Hebrews 10, 28. Um, we'll pause there for first. So, are you guys set? Well, are you Deuteronomy 17, 6? Okay, no, sorry. I said numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, so that means you would be John 8, 17. Sorry, Jide, 2 Corinthians 13, 1. Ibukun, 1 Timothy 5, 19. So let's pause there. We'll continue because there's some other scriptures that won't take. All right, Moses. Numbers 35, 30. Okay. Anyone who kills a person is to be put to death as a murderer only on the testimony of witnesses. But no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. All right. Okay. Jed, this way. Oh, don't worry. Deuteronomy 17, verse 6. On the testimony of two or three witnesses, a man shall be put to death, but no one shall be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. Okay. Murewa, Muri Tonda. John eight seventeen. Okay, John eight seventeen. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. All right. Yes. Second Corinthians thirteen verse one. you did not listen when I said I've changed your own. But don't worry, go ahead, go ahead. Second Corinthians 13, 1. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. All right. Hebrews 10, 28. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So, how many scriptures did we read? At least all of you can see from the, even if you were a little distracted. Was that the last one? Was that? Did I give anybody Matthew 8, 16? 18, 16. 
Okay. Um, Matthew 18, 16, very quickly. Who is the next person? But Matthew 18, 16, but if he but if you will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Okay, all right. So you can see that we started from the old and then we went into, into the new so that you know where that comes from. But specifically, I want to read where this particular law comes from. This is from Deuteronomy 19 from verse 15 and I'm going to be reading to the very end, okay? One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense that they, they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness takes the stand to accuse someone of a crime, the two people involved in the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priest and the judges who are in office at the time. The judges must make a thorough investigation and if the witness proves to be a liar giving false testimony against a fellow Israelites, then do to the false witness as that witness intended to do to the other party. You must purge the evil from among you. The rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid, and never again will such an evil thing be done among you. Show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, and foot for foot. I was supposed to stop at before you must purge evil, but I just wanted to read it to you, right? Let me be focused. Anyway, so yeah, this is where it's gotten from. And here's the reason why. I'm going to read some other scriptures. I'm going to go back to John, right? And we're going to read some other scriptures about what Jesus said about the testimony of things. It was in the law of Moses, it was established there that if two witnesses tells you something, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to take it. You're supposed to believe it. And it makes sense, Right? One way that I can put it is God has already, God gave everybody the faculty to be able to see two people, two or three people say something and believe it. Let me give examples. How many of you went to primary school here? It's a valid question. Thank you, uh, Janaya, for raising your hand, Jerry. You are, you are still in primary school now. <laughs> Good. Right? And then in the school, they would have told you that this big ball of fire that we see every morning going up and going down. They told you that it is a ball of gases. I don't know if they've gone that deep for you. Burning millions of miles away. Your science teacher told you, your science textbook told you, and guess what? You believed it, isn't it? How many of you wanted to go and check at the back of the sun if it wasn't a table that was holding it together? They told you something and you believed it. Well, there are some stubborn people that would have been asking your teacher, why, 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 why? But that's just, that's, that's the simple first level. It makes sense that when two or three valid witnesses tell you something, you should take it. And that was how the law began to teach um, the people of Israel to take testimonies. As long as the witness is not a false witness. And that's why they say, if you suspect that the person is a false witness, what will you do to the person? You can call the person out and they will investigate. And guess what? If they find out that that false witness is actually false, what will happen? The thing that was intended for the, because this is testimony for criminals, for any kind of activity, the thing that was intended for the person that they were testifying against is the judgment that will be 
that will meet the person that makes a testimony. Do you know why this is important? If the belief system of people is supposed to be hinged on the testimony of two people, you best believe that you can't give a false testimony. So two people, one cannot introduce poison into something that is going to make up the belief system of somebody. As I started to prepare for this message, my heart started doing like this. I, I kid you not, like, <laughs> my heart started doing like this because when my mind carried this thing, don't worry, follow me. And so you can see from the old, and Jesus kept telling his people that Moses taught you this, your Lord taught you this, that once you have two valid witnesses, it is enough for you to run with. Let me tell you how ridiculous it sounds, but yet very strong. If two proven people come and tell you that they said you should come, go to that junction, leave everything you're doing now and go to that junction, your wife and your children are there, and you've not seen your wife and children in 10 years, you can believe the words of those two people and run with it. This was a way of training them to think and to believe. And so as they themselves know one, never to lie, because that's why he said, you can see how he, he gave you the judgment that was waiting for any kind of false witness. What did he say was going to be done to them? He said, show no pity. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand. You must purge that kind of evil from among you. Anybody who is bold enough to want to introduce telling lies, introducing that kind of false testimony, bearing false witness for a matter that you are trying to establish, the judgment that should be meted out on that person is what? Tooth for tooth. Because on the words of two people, you can have a belief system. Now let's go into um, some scriptures. John 3 verse 11. Who is next? Uh, my Bible is not focused. Let me use my phone. There. We're going to read John 3, verse 11. Um, then let me read John 3, verse 11. Next person should read John 8, verse 17. The, then after that, the other person will read John, 1 John 5, 9. Okay, so let me start. John 3, verse 11. And then after that, the next person should read John 19, verse 35. Okay. All right, let me go. Let me start. John 3, verse 11. This is Jesus speaking. He said, very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Should I tell you why this is very, very significant? Using the same analogy that I was saying, let's say you come in here and somebody tells you, oh, leave everything you're doing, run to that junction. Your wife and your children are there waiting for you, right? Part of the reason why you should believe them is because you want to know that those people, are, they are coming from that junction because you won't have that kind of knowledge if you were not coming from the junction. So Jesus is telling you here that if I'm telling you of heavenly things, it makes sense for you to believe me because what I'm talking about, first and foremost, none of you have gone there 
I'm the only one who has gone there. I'm the one coming from there. So it's my kind of testimony that you ought to believe. Right? So that's what he was saying. He said, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses, just as Moses lifted up the snake into the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. John 8, verse 17. John 8, verse 17. Yep. Even in your law, it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. Uh, continue, please. Yes. I am he, 18, I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. 19, so they were saying to him. No, so 18, we'll stop at 18. Okay, so he's reading First John 5, 9. You're reading 1 John 5, 9, and 10. 1 John 5, 9. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go we ahead. accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. Anyone who believes in the son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony of God because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. We accept human testimony. This is, again, the Apostle John telling them, see how well we accept human testimony. But God, who is greater than human, has given us a testimony, yet we haven't accepted it. Um, did I give out another one? I said John 19.35. Did I? Okay, so maybe I'll read that one myself. So this was talking about, this was the crucifixion of Jesus. Let me start from 34. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. Now, when I started it by saying, when Jesus said to that particular royal officer and said, you people require signs to believe. Anyway, go, your son is healed. We all know what happened. And, just, and John also is consistent. And as we go, you will see all the gospels show us all these people who came for the signs and wonders came to Jesus and kept asking. He came to eat. In fact, the next chapter we're reading after that, um, he healed um, the layman at Bethesda, and then from there we see him feeding 5,000 men, which we know is, we kept seeing him doing all these things. Yet, when it was time to crucify him, all of them started shouting what? These same people that came to him, Jesus will even tell, him that, tell you that these ones, they came to eat and for their bellies to be full. And Jesus said to this guy, why? In a manner of speaking, do you want signs to believe? He came, he got his signs and wonders, and immediately picked off. Now, the reason why I read some of the first set of scriptures is, make no mistake, I'm not trying to say that doing signs and wonders is wrong. Because you saw that as we read, again, in all the other scriptures in John, to Acts, to Corinthians, we see the apostles saying that 
He did signs and wonders and many believed. We did signs and wonders and many believed. But when you're trying to understand the nature of belief, right, what it takes for you to actually hear and see something and believe, you need to know that signs and wonders is one way, but it has to be accompanied with the testimony of Christ. It has to be accompanied with the testimony of Christ. And it is that testimony that you will now believe. Let's go to, um, let me see, is this the one I'm looking for? I think we should go back to John 8 or 3. That puts it, well, Jesus explained this thing. Okay, so John 8 from verse 14. In fact, let's read from verse 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, and they said, here, here you are, appearing as your own witness. What did they say after that? Read your Bibles, check it. I'm reading John 8 from verse 12. God will bless you. He said, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. Should I tell you why? Let me just pause. Should I tell you why this is very important? If I come and I tell you that yesterday when I was sleeping, I was elevated into the heaven, I went to heaven, and I sat down beside God, and then that's where I'm coming from. That, say the truth. How many of you will believe me? Say the truth. Say the truth. Say the truth now. How many of you will believe me like that, Sha? Or if you see a random person on the road telling you that I'm just coming from, you know, heaven, and this, and the person starts telling you one yeah, yeah, story and all of that. But Jesus is telling you that I know where I came from, right? You can't even judge if my testimony is valid because you didn't come from where I came from, so you cannot come and stand and validate what I said. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going to. My testimony is valid. But he didn't end it there. He said, but you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. So you judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true. Guess what? Because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself, and my other witness is the Father who sent me. So Jesus is like, I hear you, and I pass no judgment. So guess what? I have my two testimonies. One, I testify of myself. Two, my other witness is the Father who sent me. And then, of course, they asked, where is your father? And he was like, you don't know me or my father. Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would, knew my, you would know my father also. And then they said, of course, he spoke these words and all of that. So here is the thing that you need to understand. Jesus said, okay, you want testimony? No problem. First and foremost, let me first clear you. I can give testimony for myself, right? Because it's only... I, who knows where I'm coming from and where I'm going to. You don't know where I'm coming from, where I'm going to. But nonetheless, you want testimony, no problem. My testimony is valid, and the testimony of my father is valid. 
and those are the two witnesses. Now let's go from John, from, this is John 8, let's quickly go to John 5 verse 36 so that we see what the testimony of the Father is. Verse 36, John 5 verse 36, it says, I have testimony weightier than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent me himself has testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one that he sent. Let me go down to verse 43. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you would accept him. Again, Jesus was clearing them. Because you people are supposed to have a belief system where you understand and believe people for their testimony. How can you believe since you, are, you accept glory from one another, but not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think that I will, I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is who? Your accuser is who? The reason why the accuser is Moses is because the law clearly stated that once you see the testimony of two people, you ought to accept it, you ought to believe it, and you ought to take it as truth. And that's why Jesus said to them that your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set. The two people who were giving testimony was one. Jesus was giving testimony about himself, and the Father was giving testimony about Jesus by the works that he was doing, by the works he did, the miracles, and of course, the ultimate work he did by resurrection. And Jesus is telling us here that I have trained these people with a certain mindset to say, you know what, believe me on the word of two witnesses, no wahala. I'm testifying myself as, as, I'm testifying I as myself as one witness, and the second witness is what? The works that I do, which is the testimony of the Father, of which we know that the ultimate testimony that the Father was going to give was what? Was the resurrection. And so that's why Jesus was telling them that number one, so that's why you will collect on the last day. Because this, same, this very same Moses that you are trying to use to drag me is what you are dragging yourself because I have given you two very valid witnesses. And by those two witnesses, you should do what? Believe me. Now let me draw the parallel to today. This is why if you are going to take any belief system, and this is where my fear now started. If you are going to take your testimony, and let's say the testimony of the apostles, or your testimony, and the testimony of the Father, which is signs and wonders, let's take it in the context in which we are reading it. You, best be, you better be very sure that you are not bearing a false testimony. That was the warning that I started taking to myself. Because first and foremost, by the law, we see what happens to the person that wants to be a false witness. And the reason why that is a very valid judgment is because you want to introduce into a belief system that people are supposed to have something that is false, something that is not true, a sort of corruption. And once you do that and introduce it with another person's testimony and try and mix it, you have spoiled everything. And so I started telling myself that, or more, this is one reason why you must never ever look at signs and wonders alone and say just for the signs and wonders you believe. You have to believe it with the testimony. The signs and wonders that Jesus did, the signs and wonders that the apostles did, were accompanying the testimony of Christ, the truth of who Christ was. Any sign and wonder that you see people doing, right, and they claim that it is the Father that is doing it, I pity them. Let, let's read one particular scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 15. So let me read from verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? 
If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are found then to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. Whatever it is that you testify about God, because you have brought God into the picture as your second witness, you make sure you are not found to be a false witness about God. And so that was the part that personally got me scared. That's this one that I'm carrying Mike to be preaching. I would rather sit down in my own distance than, <laughs> than find myself to be a false witness about God. God forbid. But here, yes, this is why um, the resurrection is one very powerful thing because it is the testimony that God gives that Christ is true. And by this testimony, and like we see, once we see this, we see it going to Acts. I can give you some scriptures to go. I want to quickly wrap up so that we can discuss. Acts um, 1 8, Acts 1 21, right? Um, let's, let, let's read that Acts 1 21. I think it really helps to bring it out. You will see, by the time you have this understanding, you will see why it was very important that. It was very important, the instructions that Jesus gave his disciples. What did he ask them to do? He just asked them to say what? Go and say the truth about what you've seen. Go and be my witnesses. Go and be my witnesses. Because that's all you need. You need to give this truth. You need to testify to what you need to act as a testifier, as a witness to the truth that you've seen. Because that is what will actually bring the belief in people. It's signs and wonders from God accompanied by the testimony of Jesus, and that's how belief enters into the heart of man. Let me, give, let me show you what was said here, what the apostle said. He said, therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among, among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. Why? For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Because these people knew the power of testimony. And that is why when John was talking about it in John, I think that was uh, 19 and 21, he said, these things I'm telling you is the truth. So they took this thing as a very powerful thing because that's how the Lord had always said it. If you are a witness, you must be a witness to the truth. And once one or two or three people say something, they are bearing witness and their word is the truth because, of course, they are saying the truth. And so... When I saw this, I was like, wow, because they needed someone that had been there. Yes, we, people like us, we were never there. Did you see Jesus? Were you in the, we're not there. But when they wanted to appoint another person, what was the criteria? They wanted someone that had been there from John the baptism, from John's baptism to Jesus' resurrection, so that the person can also stand as a witness and testify of what their eye has seen which is the very truth that Jesus came on this, that Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus resurrected, because that was the power of the gospel that they were going to be preaching on and on and on and on. So in conclusion, works, of course, signs and wonders, right? You need to understand what they are. They are actually a testimony, but they are whose testimony? They are God's testimony. Signs and wonders are God's testimony. And best believe anybody that wants to try and walk, engineer, deceive people of signs and wonders, something that's supposed to be God's testimony, in a bid to say something or try and convince people. Because remember what I said, 
by the testimony of two or three, not what I said, what the law said, by the, <laughs> by the testimony, you can see I'm being very careful because it's not me that will be a false witness. By the testimony of two or three people, right, you can establish truth. So anybody that tries to engineer one of the testimonies and slap God's name on it, not only are you bearing false witness, of all the people you can bear false witness to, is who? Miss me with it. I know do. I don't need, I, don't, I will be very okay where I am. So signs and wonders are a testimony, but they are a testimony of God. That also should relieve you of any pressure to want to work any miracle or do anything in the name of God. Don't bear false witness about God. Don't, don't try to. If you even want to go by Moses, what did they say will happen to the person that bears false witness? <laughs> they now say, tooth for tooth, eye for eye. They say, we purge the evil from among you because it is truly evil. There is no amount of good intention that a person can have that can cover up with trying to bear false witness about God. That's lesson number one. So that's one that pulled my ear. I'm not going to do anything. Say it's God that was in this mist. I don't know. If I don't know, I will not say it. I cannot bear false witness about God. Right? And here's the thing. Don't worry. Let's continue. Right? And the reason why this thing is such an important rule is because Belief systems are very fragile. You don't, once you introduce any kind of thing, like it makes sense. That's what, how many of you have ever had, had your trust broken by somebody? Mm-hmm. Right? You know how difficult it is for you to ever take whatever the person says as truth. Belief systems are very fragile things. Once you know someone is telling you the truth, the moment you start saying a lie and you find out belief systems are very fragile, right? But trust me, all you need is the testimony of two or three people to believe something. And so this thing that Jesus kept saying over and over and said, you go and be my witness, you go and be my witnesses, you also need to understand that, and I'm not saying, not all of us might see signs and wonders in a day. But you have the testimony of the apostles. And you have the testimony of the people that the apostles spoke to. First and foremost, thank God we have scripture. You people don't realize how beautiful it is that we actually have scripture. Because that's testimony. You know that, right? If people were expecting word of mouth testimony, let me just quickly clear you. Even the scripture that Jesus was speaking to, the laws of Moses, right? The day and time in which Jesus was walking on the earth was Moses there giving the testimony. When Jesus referred to it as valid testimony, was it not the scripture he was referring to? The scripture you have is valid testimony. Once you read this scripture and you see one or two places, you've seen what you want to see, it's okay that you believe in it. Am I saying that you will not see signs and wonders? I'm not saying so. But signs and wonders are the testimony from whom? And if God chooses to give you the testimony, all glory to God. If God doesn't choose to give you the testimony, all glory to God. You have more than enough. Do you understand what I'm saying? When two people are testifying for a crime, right? Uh, my legal people will dismiss. When two people are testifying for a crime, do you need to demand that those two people reenact what happened so closely that it's like you are in the presence watching it? 
let me put it this way. When you are, if, some, if I was trying to explain to you a crime that happened, will you tell me that, no, I don't believe you. I want to be there when it's happening so that I can see with my two eyes and experience it. Is that the level of evidence you need? Guess what? There is absolutely, you are, let me put it, you are the more correct people who hear the testimony of Christ and believe it. Those people who demand evidence as strong as physically being there to believe it are the ones who are corrupted. Because it is not actually the way it ought to be. The way it ought to be is that you have two testimonies of valid witnesses, you take it to be true. Everybody is sitting down here, you will go to bed, you will wake up tomorrow, the sun will rise up, it will go down. And some scientists that I've never met went and told me that it's a ball of fire. I don't know the scientists. I wasn't there when they were measuring it in the lab. I've not seen the results. That they, nobody has even gone to test the surface of the sun. Yet all of us believe that it's a ball of fire. We believe their testimony. How much more the testimony of Christ? So at the end of the day, you will see, for them, Moses was the accuser, and it will extend to a day. So anybody that is telling you that I want evidence of everything, God should come and appear here by himself to give me testimony. I don't know for them, we'll meet on Judgment Day. But you that have believed the testimony that you have received about Christ, you that you've heard it and you believed it, you need to give glory to God. Amen? So yeah, just remember about miracles today. Don't, don't put yourself under any pressure so that you don't fear, bear false witness about God. And once you see people that are saying they are doing signs and wonders and everything, you do well to check it with the testimony of Christ. Remember what I said, it's not just the signs and wonder. It has to be accompanied with the testimony of Christ. Those are the two things, because that person is claiming that God is giving a testimony about himself here. So his testimony about himself should match the testimony of Christ, right? And where do you find that about the testimony of Christ? Jesus whispering to you in your ear in the night. Thank God we are aligned. Okay. Um, and so I want to read two more scriptures to just encourage us, right? And this, this, going down this path was also an encouragement for myself because it's always been something that I bring up from time to time. We're still discussing it last week, which is the problem of divine <laughs> hiddenness. Which is that divine hiddenness simply means if God is real, why hasn't he shown himself the way he perceived me today? And is God now? He should just show himself and all of that and all of that. Two scriptures, First Peter 1 8. This is one scripture that I always go to that we, and it always encourages me. Every time I want to be feeling like God should come and give me all the evidence in the world before I believe that he's true. Ah, where do I start reading from? I want to read from three. Uh, I should read it, Abby. Okay, so First Peter 1 from verse 3. Praise be to, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may also have, have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is where I'm going. Though you have not seen him, 
You love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Say, I am not alone. Even from when P Peter was writing this, he was writing to people and he, and he told them what? You people have not seen him before and you don't see him now. Yet, guess what? You believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible joy. Let's go to John 20 verse 29. Let us wrap this up with the words of our Lord and Savior himself. So let me start from 26. So Jesus had died, the reason. He said, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it um, in my, into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet I believed. You are blessed. Who have not seen and put your hand in his side, yet you believe. You are blessed. You are the actual ones who have the true sense. You are the actual ones who have the spirit of truth in you. Never let the world make you feel like you are the silly ones or you are the dumb one. Blessed are you who have not seen, yet have believed. Hallelujah. Praise God. I finish. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.